but thanks for listening. Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Say Things, episode 195. Suns fan here with the Cinder Man himself. Me. How are you doing? I am. I am me today. Great to see that you have uh, shown up again for another week of this terrible podcast. Yes. Brought to you by nobody this week, unfortunately. Oh. <laughs> uh, other than our beautiful patrons from the Inbruged here, take the first half away, Cinderman. Oh boy, what is this name? All right, thank you to Xenofork is officially an ancient creep. Happy birthday from Moz Isley Mob. Tell Patrick Monkey Man says the belch from last episode is spelled B W E R U P. Also, come back to Dota. Pepperballs, Charlie Sheen, T Coil, Q Ludes wishing everyone a great episode. Oh, how nice. Stupid Copilot, D2 Bowie, Lab Dota, Yotaro does it again, Cinderin. 3K Licks, lol. But also, how is Valve not advertising CS2 in the last major? A disappointing no ad. Magdev gives a shout out to NADCLS4 on Twitter. Check out what's cooking for NA Dota over on their Discord. Link in bio. Um, that sounds like an ad. Good. Dear Valve, marketing is the process of promoting products or services to create value for customers and drive business growth. Disco Farm D, the Megapope, and I'm happy to announce that the International will be in New Zealand in 2024, TI in New Zealand. Hmm. Zan Xavier, Nate Thicko 01, Ham Scrotes, Bacon, Shark TM, Freshly Seasoned Goat Balls, Janie, Dop, Nothing to See Here, Underscore Man, Guitar Strings, Eve Remort. I'm going to make it as American as possible. Ben Broomhead is booked for TI. Let's go. Wooden Aftertaste, Anonymous, and Indonesia makes up for 43% of all visits to Ability Arena, according to Similar Web. Credit Reddit user Pistasi R. Salamande, which this is Nieblings. Do you, know, do you not know what Risalamande is? No. It's a. It's a dessert that you have generally, at least in Denmark, generally for Christmas. It's like uh, a rice pudding with almonds. Shouldn't it have pistachio? Pistachio? Yeah, so this is a version with pistachio, apparently. Oh. I mean, it's just a nickname, right? But Okay, good to know. I've never heard of that dessert. 43% are from Indonesia. Kind of makes sense because a lot of the audience that we have, is it shows up on our analytics as SCA, but a lot of it is actually China. Uh, they, for some reason, play on SCA servers. I'm sure it's through like VPN. I don't, actually don't know why. Because mm. with custom games, I don't see what the point is. But uh, that is what it is. Cool stat. Thank you, Niebling. All right. Uh, quick NBA segment, Cinderin. Last time we talked, yeah, was... of course, uh, it was the quarter or the semifinals of, or Jesus, let me start over. The Eastern Conference Finals. The Miami Heat were up 3 0 against the Boston Celtics. No team in history has ever mm -hmm. come back down 3-0. Well, guess what? It got pushed to seven games. The Celtics won three in a row, and this was the first time in history that the team that has brought it back from 3-0 to get to a game seven, that's happened four times before, first time it's been on their home floor because they were the higher-ranked team to begin with, oh. and they get shat on on their home floor <laughs> by 25 <laughs> points. They got shellacked. It was rough to watch. A lot of those happening this year, some of them involving the Suns. So it will be the Miami Heat, who are the eight seed 
versus the one-seeded Denver Nuggets. My prediction is Denver will win it 4-1. to one. I think mm-hmm. Miami will win game one in a surprise fashion and then lose the next four. But people have been counting out the heat this whole time, Cinderin, and they have shown up time and time again. I'm not really rooting for either team, so... If Denver wins, where do you think they're going to go out for dinner to celebrate? What's the joke? Where where do you get the best nuggets, Shannon? Sun's nuggets. That's not a food. Sun's oh, it is to me. Okay. McDonald's. So they is that will your joke? go to the Suns if they win. Is what you're saying? Your joke is McDonald's. No, it's not. I was asking you. Nuggets. I can't think yeah, of another where... place that has nuggets other than any of these oh. god awful fast food chains. If you're talking about, I mean, if you're going to call chicken, your team Denver Nuggets, at least you need to have good nuggets, right? It's it's not a good name. I I would agree. So I have one quick quick story. Uh, there's a player on the Heat named Duncan Robinson. Okay, he's been having a bit of a rough series. All he can do is shoot. Basically, he's a white guy. You know, the white guys are out there just to shoot, basically. And they were up three zero, like I said, and then they started losing. And it became more and more demoralizing each time. In game six, they lost on a buzzer beater. It was actually really exciting. So they're going back to Boston. He is from the New England area, the Boston area. He randomly gets added to a WhatsApp group for his old alumni. I think it was either high school or college. They didn't know he, they added him. They just added like the whole class to basically talk shit about the Miami Heat and how the Boston Celtics were going to win in seven. And he used that as fuel and had a good game seven and they resulted in the win. I just thought that was fucking hilarious. Gets re- added to a WhatsApp group and then wins after they talk shit about him in his own class. So, uh, yeah, that's the NBA news, Cinderin. Hope you enjoyed. Yeah, I, I had a great time. Great. Uh, I have a Suns fan recommends. Uh, okay. Nuggets. This show has completed. It is four seasons. It is on HBO. It is called Succession. Now, I'm not going to spoil anything, and I'll be brief. Okay. It's it's a fictional show that has a lot of realistic aspects to it, but it's kind of based in a way off of Rupert Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch, except an American version. So it's like this mogul, like big time empire, like some guy that owns a huge company that has had huge influence on politics and the country as a whole, uh, owns a news channel, which is like, they're pretending it's like Fox news. So it is. So normally when I watch a show and I really like it, like the biggest thing I take away is like character development. And I love the characters themselves. Mm -hmm. This is the first show. Every single character is irredeemable and a pile of shit, and I hate all of them. <laughs> but it's so well written. It is maybe the best written, like in terms of dialogue at least, one of the best shows I've ever seen. I don't think this one is for everyone, though. So just know that going, and you will hate the characters. They're irredeemable. But man, it's, it's really well done. If you appreciate... like very good ratings. Yeah, it's well. only four seasons, unfortunately. It's now completely over, but... Is that a bad thing? Shit. I mean, my favorite show of all time is Leftovers, and that's only three seasons. If they wrap yeah, just, it up I'm well, thinking, then it's fine. I think 
more often than not shows that get like really many seasons it's really hard to maintain a high level right so i think a lot of the time it's better to like have well, fewer seasons that are really good and then actually wrap up the story and make it a, a great okay. product right? i mean from from a money perspective obviously you want to milk it right but if you want to make a good show i think it's good that it isn't like six, seven, eight seasons, whatever. So I, I think it depends on the source material or how much you can actually get out of it. Because, mm -hmm. for example, like the old days, let's call them the old days now, where it's like cable TV TV shows where you're having like 25 episode seasons. You're just like shitting stories out. And it's just getting more and more bland. It's getting worse and worse. That's not really a thing anymore because like with HBO, it's between eight and 12 episodes. They're extremely high quality you could have definitely done more than four seasons for this. You could have done more seasons than three for Leftovers. But I think the important thing is they know when it's supposed to end and they don't push it past whatever they think it should be because guaranteed succession, they could have gone longer if they wanted to. So I think it's just dependent on you know, the source material or how good the story is in general. Mm -hmm. so. Okay, let's get started with the episode. And we start out with very sad news. I actually don't know many of the Chinese casters uh, but there was a caster named Yammers and there was a post made on Reddit basically talking about how he made a post on is it Weibo? Weibo? Or one of those? Uh, I think it's, I'm not sure how to pronounce it but yeah. I guess Weibo maybe? I'm so not sure how to say it. But... He committed suicide He's a TI caster. I think he was at the last TI, if I'm not mistaken. And he was just yeah, doing DPC. So. And he wrote a, a really long, and I read the whole thing. I don't know what you want to call it. What do you call something like that? I don't know what the official word for something like this is. I mean, effectively, it's like a... It's effectively a suicide note, I guess, but it's yeah, it's yeah. It, I, I don't essentially, know if a word it, for it tells the story, and this is translated on Reddit, of like all the abuse that he endured throughout his entire life. It sounds like, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's not the same in the U.S. or any other country, but there's certain areas, or I don't want to get too into it, but in China, you can get picked on, and it can be really unpleasant. And it was, it sounded like it was very, very bad based on what was written. Uh, so just wanted to acknowledge that this happened. Obviously, we didn't know him, but still very sad to hear about a community member going out that way. Um, and if you guys have, and this is the important thing to take away from it. Of course, you can take away a lot of stuff, but um, mental health, and we've talked about this on a few episodes now, it's something you can't mm -hmm. ignore. And I, th I think the the fact that we're able to talk about this on a more consistent basis, I think is really good. Obviously, we don't want to read about stories like this, but hopefully other people that are having issues can reach out to, you know, any of these hotlines or friends or family or anybody within the scene. I think you'll you'll find people are gonna be pretty receptive uh if you're gonna if you have issues like this. I feel very privileged. I've never had to go through anything remotely like he wrote, so I can't even imagine what it's like, you know? So I can't sit here and pretend like I know what it's like, but I think it's important to talk about and acknowledge. Yeah, it's... I mean, stories like these are always super sad, and the worst thing about it is, in the end, the conclusion most of the time is people are shit, right? Like, 
everything that this guy went through kind of compounds to other people are just, you know, not treating other people well. And like, to me, that's the second takeaway, right? The one is about, you know, respect mental health, try to help people. And if you're having trouble, make sure you talk to someone and try to get started on some sort of process to get better. Um, but the other one is, it would be nice if people could just, you know, have at least some sort of baseline of respect and empathy. Uh, but unfortunately, there's a lot of people in the word, world that just don't have those traits at all. Um, and if you, at the end of the day, a lot of this is just bad luck, right? Which is almost the, the saddest thing about all of this is that a lot of the people that you hear uh, have really rough depressions and some of them even committing suicide. It's like, in the end, when you think about it, there wasn't really anything necessarily that they did wrong or they should have done different. It's just you're just in an environment that's super bad for you. You can't necessarily escape it. You can't necessarily control it. Um, and the it's just bad luck, right? Mm. I know that might be a really like sad take on it or whatever, but it fucking sucks, you know? <laughs> like if people could just if people could just be better to each other, then then this wouldn't be nearly as big of an issue. But um, yeah, it's. It's kind of like with other illnesses or sicknesses, right? Where you're just like, he was all too young or there was nothing you did to deserve this. Like some people just get terribly sick and there's no reason for it other than, you know, bad luck or whatever. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really sad story. Um, I'm not going to say that you should read it. I think if you, you should read something like this if you're you know, in a mind space to read it. Right. Uh, Trigger warning, I, I guess. Yeah, I don't think this is something that everybody should read. Um, but, yeah. That's that. It's a shame. Uh, I think the Western audience, like you said, not particularly connected with the Chinese casters, but he had a pretty famous voice line that I think a lot of people will recognize. Um, I'll, I, don't, I don't know if you can play this on audio so everybody can hear it. But I can. I will send it, I will send it to you. And I hope it's not unbelievably loud. I think you recognize this one. Oh, it's on YouTube. Yeah. I'll play it again. Yeah, I recognize that one. So this was this was Yammer's most known voice line. I don't know if it was his only one in the game, but at least that one is is recognizable. So yeah, rest in peace. Um, it's a shame how many of these types of stories you hear, and obviously. The closer it is to home, the harder it hits, kind of. Uh, mm. Despite us, neither of us really knowing this person very well, if at all. Um, still part of the Dota community, you know. He was very important to a lot of other people in Dota. Uh, and we're kind of one big family, so... It's a, it's a really sad story. Indeed. R.I.P. Okay, so next topic is another PGL topic. This happened the day after our... Actually... Yeah, the first part of this happened the day after our last episode, which was very PGL-esque, uh, or very PGL-centric, our episode was. So in, I'm going to butcher a bit of this, but in the DPC Div 2, there were two teams that were supposed to, well, American Goons, I believe, is the team with Little Nick, right? Yes. And they lost to an opponent that they, quote-unquote, 
probably shouldn't have a lesser skilled mm -hmm. opponent and a team from what team is alien man mana banana where the hell his name is on uh about the team name is it grin grin is definitely one of the teams in this story but i don't remember okay that's... oh uh, gate kept oh that's right that's what the meme is so yeah. gate kept that's uh alien mana bananas team right yeah and i guess it it had to do with uh, Alien Man and Banana was just chatting. I believe, man, I'm butchering the shit out of this. Little Nick, and I'm sorry, Napkin was another player, right? Mm -hmm. So Napkin messages Little Nick and asks him on Steam, did you lose to the rank 500s on purpose to play us or what? Because they would end up playing Alien Man and Banana's team instead as a result mm -hmm. of the loss. And he replied with Y-E, as in yeah, but yeah. but uh, Like Kanye. Sure. Kanye. <laughs> That's the worst fucking. Anyway. Uh, so that was apparently provided, that chat log, literally two letters was provided to PGL. And they got a notice and they tweeted this out. PGL did. We've determined that your team has violated the rules stated below. Bets and match fixing. Players, managers, and coaches are prohibited to make any kind of bets on these tournament matches. If it is proven that a player slash coach managers had made a better head purpose purposely tried to achieve a certain result in the game, then the team will be punished up to disqualification and banned from future PGL events. So, the community got really, really angry about this. And then the manager of said team actually made a Reddit thread that has 3,000 upvotes, so pretty big thread, going through each and everything that happened, providing evidence, or whatever you want to call it, just chat logs, and eventually, after the outcry, this tweet was provided by PGL. We owe an important update regarding the recent disqualification of American goons. Upon receiving new information, we have thoroughly reassessed our initial verdict and have ultimately chosen to overturn the decision previously made. And they go on to say that, you know, they're going to be reinstated and all their stuff will be fully restored. Yeah. So, terrible start. And we've yeah. talked about that some of the decisions made by PGL have not been ideal, but I think it is important to recognize that they fixed this fuck up at least. Yeah, your thoughts they did on it this? fast as well. But there's also yeah. there's a little bit of a difference of magnitude as well, right? In the in the error, so to speak, because the other ones were how to say it was more of like. Um, as we've already talked about, you could make a case for why or why not you should do either or. I feel like to in this one, it's just, from my perspective, blatantly obvious that this was just a bad call, right? It, with what we've been provided. I don't know if there's any more, like, sort of messages or information or whatever that never got posted publicly that PGL had access to. If it's literally just this chat log, to put it bluntly, I cannot believe that led to a ban in the first place. If that is everything they had. Like, that is just incredible to me like people will write each other in pms or whatever all the time making jokes or having like internal you know history or senses of humor or whatnot but also why did pgl get this in the first place that so that's what i was going to ask you that's so the biggest one for me is like in this whole drama who sent them this screenshot like are you just trying to sabotage your opponents so you get an advantage and try to get into the DPC season or uh, so did what, one that way? What's worse? Super disingenuous. Yeah, what's worse? 
the PGL I mean, decision me, or somebody leaking that from that team. To me, whoever whoever sent this to PGL and tried to get the opponents banned, to me, is the asshole here. Like, mm. if that's what happened, that they were sent this screenshot with the intention of sabotaging the other team, that is so facetious. I don't even know where to begin. Like, you have these players on Friends on Steam, right? So you would think either they're actually your friends or you're at least, you know, have some sort of mutual understanding of, all right, we're within this circuit, we're playing each other in pubs, we're playing each other in Pro Dota or whatnot. To send this to PGL, it's like, there's two options, right? Either you're deliberately trying to get an advantage by sabotaging them or you're just fucking trolling. And either way, it's really stupid, right? Like, but I don't know. To me, that is easily the biggest... And I think... Part of the it had part of the like, uproar had to do with the fact that the I'm not gonna I'm, I know that Alien Mana Banana is one of these people that has been accused by many that I know and trust, but other mm -hmm. people on that team as well that they are blatantly racist, and that's what like not only was this team of like cuddly guys like Little Nick everybody loves Little Nick, you know that they're innocent they're not they're not trying to throw. Not only do they get disqualified for something they shouldn't have, but it's the people that benefit are the literal racists, people that have actual stream evidence doing racist things recently. So it just adds insult to injury. So glad this was overturned. Yeah. And obviously, NA Dota <laughs> cannot afford to lose anybody else. But also, do you feel like, all right, so with that conclusion, do you feel like there should be a punishment for misleading? Ooh, well, there should be a punishment yeah, for being a racist. Around, you have a guy who's literally, like, whoever did this, again, I don't know who sent the screenshot to PGL or whatever, but you're literally wasting PGL's time with this and trying to, I mean, you could give them the benefit of the doubt and be like, oh, they didn't know that it was a joke, but like, come on, right? Mm -hmm. Like, seriously? Did you not know that was a joke? Um, I don't know. So I also I want to give a quick shout out here as well to AUI2000. He was a part of, I, I don't know how big of a part he was in resolving this, conf, uh, this conflict, but he took the time to review the matches and conclude that they were playing to win. So, mm -hmm. you know, you have a really prominent top tier coach taking the time out of, you know, out of the interest of competitive integrity and the appreciation of the region. He sits down and goes through, I don't know how long this took him to go through these games, but... He, uh, he obviously has nothing to gain from it, but he, he wanted to take the time because he wants what's good for the scene. So I just wanted to appreciate that. Yeah. Um, and that was a part of the post that they made. Was It's a pretty strong stamp to have on your statement that AUI2000 tweeted out that he reviewed their matches and they were playing to win. That's, yeah. uh, I mean, a bunch of people did retweet good... as well. I know PPD yeah. got involved as well. Uh... Yep. There were multiple big NA names that were like, what the hell is this ban? Re you know, reverted immediately. Um, and I do wonder but what... Yeah, I just want to give him a special shout-out because of the extra, he went the extra mile, basically, to clear them. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a good move. Yeah. So glad to see they've been reinstated, waiting for Fart Studios to get the same treatment, of course. And, yeah. They seem to be the only person that's, got, that's gotten fucked now. Bait got the benefit of the doubt, understandably mm -hmm. so. But Fart Studios... They just got bent over, you know. What can you do? Maybe, maybe, maybe it's bad for business to have a team called Fart Studios. You ever thought about that? Maybe that's uh, maybe they have a different name. Who, who's the business in this scenario? Uh, PGL. Bad for PGL that there's a team called Fart Studio. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know. If the leader is Fart SJ, then it makes sense, right? It's just a play off his name. So, I mean, he did officially change oh it in Dota, God. after all. Fucking Jenkins, uh, man. <laughs> it's still so funny. Okay, so that's the Dota news for this week. Luckily, we do have a couple other things I want to talk about. One of which oh. is Neon Prime. So, what is this guy's name again? Tyler McVicker, which you guys might know is a YouTuber that is known to be the Valve inside source. I don't know what you want to call him. He's kind of like a media media guy that gets a little nugget here and there from Valve. He has a source within Valve that has provided him a video which he has watched gameplay of Neon Prime. He doesn't show any of that though. And this is the stuff that he talked about. I'm just going to there's a Reddit thread made about it, so I'm going to list what they they listed for it in terms of TLDR. So it's third person, third person game. Stylized sci-fi is what he ca he would label it as. It's a mix of Overwatch, TF2, Dota 2, and whatever the hell Teardown is. Uh, has a little bit of base building. It's an external closed beta right now. Announcement will, I mean, this was just speculation, but based on how polished it looked, he thought it would come out or be announced later this year. Hmm. The map is enormous to the point where you need to ride trains to get around. It has, he made it sound like Smite. If you guys know what Smite okay. is, it was kind of like the Dota yeah. map, but you're in third person. So there's PvP and PvE. Uh, it's going to be class-based, a class-based system, so that would be similar to TF2 or something like that. Uh, classes have a lot of personality, which TF2 also had. Game has vague connections to the Half-Life universe, same way as Portal. So it's not going to be like strictly, I don't know, he didn't really specify what made it Dota necessarily. Uh, and there's still this, I don't know how positive he was, but it sounded like there's a commander class of some kind where you're doing a top-down thing. Mm -hmm. Not sure about that one, though. A strategy role. So that is okay. Neon Prime. What do you think, Cinderin? I mean, I don't know because I haven't seen shit, but um, it sounds it sounds interesting. It also sounds a little bit. I don't remember what we talked when we talked about this the last time, but it sounds a little bit in the direction of what we were theorizing it could be. Right, mm -hmm. that it was going to be some sort of merger game between shooter and like trying to bring the the fan bases of other valve titles together um so it's based on this this isn't a leak right like this guy played and watched the game no and... he didn't play he did not play he watched okay, so he... a short gameplay video but that was leaked to him by a valve employee Okay, so he has he has information from within Valve that he was not supposed to have, and then he's made a video about it. That's right. <laughs> okay, so it's basically a whistleblowing video, or whatever you want to call it. I, I guess that's the well, wrong word for okay, that. Okay, here, here's the thing, yeah. though. With him in particular, and I'm not usually going to defend him in instances like mm -hmm. this, because I think with Artifact, he did... Did he leak anything? I can't remember, actually. Anyway, if you're a Valve employee and you're giving something to him, you know he's going to leak it. That's literally the purpose right. of you doing it. So mm -hmm. I would think that this is a purposeful thing by the one individual Valve employee. It's kind of clever because then you don't have to announce stuff yourself. You just show someone and then they can do the work for you. So it's nice. 
Like um, the description for me, it's all over the place. So I really have no idea what to think. I also have my sources, as you know, we've talked about this in, in recent past. A lot of it does sound like what he described. Uh, I'm, I don't know. So here's the thing for me, though, that I will say. First of all, I'm really interested to see what they actually announce because not mm. only will it be a new game, I'm, I'm almost more interested in how they announce it just to see if they've learned what to do. At this do point. you think? Do you think if Valve announce a new game that it will always be at TI? No. Or do you think no. you don't think so? No. No. Okay. In fact, I'd be surprised if they even do it at TI, <laughs> mm -hmm. based on what happened with Artifact. But the reason I—it's just straight. Like with this guy saying he thinks it's going to be announced this year, that's just immediately where my mind went. Right? Is that they might drop it at TI? Well, but so this is the stuff that I've heard about. I didn't know how polished it was. He is saying that it is quite polished looking, so that means that it should be, if it's doing closed beta, then mm -hmm. that means it's not that far away. But in terms of like how they announce it, I don't want to get too far into this, but the reason I'm so tickled by the thought is because I don't remember how they did Underlords, but the Artifact one was a disaster, as we know. Mm -hmm. CS2, they announced, they made a nice blog post. Everybody was super hyped. About 100 people got keys, me included, so thank you, Valve. And then they just didn't update it. And then they just deleted everyone's keys. And then they just <laughs> didn't announce anything at the last major ever for CSGO. And then they haven't announced anything about the game at all still. How? How is that possible? I, I don't understand. So... Oh, with a brand possible. with a brand new IP, which sounds like a meld of all your other IPs, what will they announce? How will they announce? And when? Fascinated. I'm actually fascinated by. Okay, it. so here's what would be funny: is if they announce and release this before CS2, that would be fucking funny. <laughs> but that would be funny. Yeah. In reality, I think CS2 is coming. CS2 is coming out this year, right? Is what they've said, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, uh, wasn't it? It was meant to drop in the summer, right? I, mean, I think yeah. is what they said. Yeah, summer 2023. Yeah. I mean, it could get delayed, but I don't think they're going to delay it by half a year with how far in the process they already no, were. Considering they've already announced the first major for it, I don't think it's. If it's going to get delayed, yeah. it won't be anything major. Yeah. I mean, I played it. It's um, very playable. Just. I know, mean, not quite there. As we talked about with this game, based on rumors, the thing that has me most interested about this game is nothing that this guy wrote. It's the fact that if Icefrog was involved with it, I have he is. so much higher hopes Confirmed. than anything else. Confirm that he is. He, ha he okay. did work on this. Because he still, to me, has an incredible like track record of what he's been able to do with Dota. And I think Icefrog has an eye for... Uh, he just has a... I don't know if you would call it a gift or whatever, a talent for understanding what drives interesting uh interesting patching effectively so if the base game is any good and he was involved in that and trying to make an interesting gameplay experience i have a lot more faith that this could be good that doesn't mean it will it also depends how much of a hand he had in it like how much power he had how much influence he had on what was done uh but as far as game devs go he's like my number one i would trust to make a good product because i have no reason not to mm. um so far but other than peter uh, molyneux right you love him peter mullen peter molyneux what's that black and white oh i don't know if 
Have I seen that episode? Black and white. Oh, the, the game. You said black, black mirror. White. You said black and white. I was like, what? Have I seen that episode? Oh yeah, yeah. Black and white was amazing for sure. Yeah, um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, fable. you didn't like it. That's fine. We have different. We have different tastes. Um, okay, so but yeah, so... I, if this becomes playable, I will play it. I will obviously give it a try. Uh, so that that's the thing with me. I first of all, when it comes to Valve, I did not like TF2. And I've mm. told this story. The original announcement for TF2 was essentially what Battlefield became. And I was super high. Very realistic. Uh, had the top-down view, I believe. Like Everything about it was so epic. And they remade it three times in eight years. Mm -hmm. And it just killed all the hype. And they made it cartoony. I just could never get over it. Even though I love TFC. Wait, in eight years? Yes. At so the you're time, saying they announced the game eight years before it came out? Yes holy shit i didn't so, know that so here's the that's thing about crazy. the thing that's hilarious about that that's not even the record there's a game that took like 20 years now but uh after announcement after yeah after announcement it was like <laughs> i remember being so hyped about it and it did not come out for at least eight years it was crazy wow. and it, it was just totally different than the original announcement which was the unfortunate part for me but people love tf2 and i respect that mm -hmm. uh if this is like Smite, I don't know if I'll like it, actually. Smite was pretty fun, but it, it didn't really truly capture me. I played it for a bit with a friend, and then suddenly one day to the next, we just stopped playing. But it wasn't like a deliberate decision like, oh, this game sucks, I'm not playing anymore. We kind of just drifted away from it, but that was all right. It wasn't fantastic, but it was pretty fun. I mean, I know um, people that like Smite. It, it's definitely not a game that I would want to play, but I'll definitely give it a try. I would love to... Uh, I would love to play another game. I'll tell you that much. Mm -hmm. And Valve has a really good track record. I'm not going to say the game is successful. They do, not, they do not have a good track record with that, but they have a good track record with me, at least, liking the games or loving the games. Underlords, Artifact, Dota, yep. etc. Counter-Strike. Jesus, I've spent so much time on that. I think... So, so for me, the biggest question mark is... I think the... Let's say the camera angle is like Smite, right? Roughly, maybe a little bit higher up. Um, I think one of the things that makes Dota so incredible is the amazing variety of spells, for example, like how unique heroes you're able to design because of the way the, the layout is. If you imagine you took every Dota hero and you ported it into that different view, there's a lot of heroes that kind of become unplayable, right? So I think inherently you're you're dampening your own creativity by changing that camera angle because there's just a lot of things you would do in dota that you can't really do in terms of like spells how they target how they interact with the environment uh, how they look uh, how they are balanced around the whole thing um i think that's something again ice frog always did a really good job with was recognizing what makes fun and unique heroes uh and what, what crazy shit you can actually pull off that is enjoyable. Now, how um, much of his involvement that's do you my think question mark for this. would be required? Well, that's not the right way to say it. It would make you comfortable. If he was just working on it versus he was in charge of it, that's a big difference, If right? he was lead? Yeah. So if he, he was, was lead, he I'd was... be very confident. Otherwise, yeah. it's like he could have worked on Artifact, Underlords. I mean, they were great, mm. though, so... You know. He was... So he was lead on Dota in the sense of 
Actually, I'm not completely sure about this. I'm not completely sure which role he had with Dota's development. Because obviously, I mean, from my understanding, it was pitched to Valve, right? And he was put on the project and kind of... I think he was just the lead for parts of it. I'm assuming not like graphics design or audio or whatever, but probably from like game balance and game flow and feel, I suppose, if you can call it that. Mm. Um if he has a similar role with this, I'm definitely pretty confident that it's it's going to be a good experience. Um, but yeah, we'll see. It's a it's a mystery, and I I think either way, this is would you, at least a year away, right? Surely. Would you be interested in casting potentially with me? Yeah, if this is a good game, of course. Do you well, I, I, of course, it definitely. all depends on whether it's a good game and we, whether we both like it. Do you think? Mm -hmm. Based the on idea just of casting this, another game than Dota for me is definitely something i would be interested in yeah i would be interested in the youtube comments if other people would be if this idea for the game with us casting would be interesting mm -hmm. i wonder if our style would work for a game like this i have no clue because there's going to be like if it's that big of a map there's just a shit ton going on and we don't even know how many players are in the game i think uh this tyler guy was talking about how Valve want to make it like a competitive... What, what was the actual wording? Wants um, to push the competitive game landscape right. forward with so this title. Based on that wording, it can't be a lot of players then. Those games are not competitively viable. I would guess it's 5 on 5 or 6 on 6. When you're, that would be when you're in like a 10v10, it's just... I, I don't see that ever working competitively. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, I shouldn't... You'll have a competitive scene, but it's never going to be like really big because you can't have that many players it's just going to be too hard to keep track of stuff yeah but if it's like 5v5 6v6 with a map that sounds that big that's also kind of weird right so who knows well, if people need to travel the entire map by train i'm sure we can have a lot of good conversations that are not about the game <laughs> while they're taking the train so yeah that's fine what's the velocity of train going out right now sure. <laughs> so yeah this information still a bit vague uh, but cool to hear some new information about the upcoming Valve game, Neon Prime. I, I'm always excited with new Valve releases, even if it's CS2, which I know a lot of people weren't excited about. I was very excited about that. Mm -hmm. So in terms of my outlook, I'm expecting great things. And we haven't even talked about like what the potential monetization would be either, right? That is mm -hmm. going to be another fascinating thing to watch because... With the whole free-to-play, they've done everything free-to-play now, right? So you have Dota, which is free-to-play. Then yeah. Underlords was free-to-play. Artifact was not, and it failed horribly. Mm -hmm. So I think they regret not making it free-to-play. And then CS Go originally was like 20 bucks to buy, and then they eventually made it free-to-play. Yeah. So I would be very surprised if it's not free-to-play based on their track record. But who knows? And I think my final, like, okay, the biggest challenge for this game, if it's trying to be what, it's, what he says it is trying to be, is can you capture the Dota audience? I think the Dota audience is like the hardest audience to win over because they just play so much Dota and they just care about Dota more than anything else, right? Mm. Um, we've talked about that with Twitch viewership, how Dota is like an island where a lot of other games have like more... Um, 
more mixing where someone watches this and by extension they also watch this and these people that they watch play multiple different games and they play together with other influencers or streamers or whatnot and you know there's like this web of how people spend their hours on twitch dota viewers watch an overwhelming amount of dota compared to any other game so if you're trying to win them over to try your new game you need to give them a really good reason to not play Dota and play this instead. I think that's the Didn't ultimate you hear? challenge. They're gonna they're gonna give you so. Dota plus shards for playing. Oh. Yeah, give Dota rewards in Neon Prime to get the Dota players to play. That's a funny I idea. Mean, I feel like it would be if they could have a plus system. I know that they would lose a little money initially, maybe, but a plus system that worked for all the games simultaneously. That'd be pretty hype. It's a bit like what Blizzard have going, right? You tell um, me. I don't play Blizzard games. Yeah, I think at least they... I don't know how much they do it now, but they had some sort of cross-game rewards where when you bought something in one game, it also came oh, with yeah, something yeah. in another. Yeah, uh, well, You would they, get like something in Diablo when you bought something in another They game did that in Underlords but, as well. Yeah. They had Dota um, rewards and vice versa. Yeah, I think that was a good idea for Underlords, especially because it's Dota-themed, right? But if this game isn't... It's a bit of a stretch how much you can actually, you know... Maybe not. Maybe it's fine. Uh, I mean, people getting free shit, nobody's going to complain, right? If you don't play Dota, you don't care. And if you play Dota, then it'll either be something you don't care about, or it's a nice little freebie, so... Yep. Agreed. It's kind of... There's no real downside. So. All right, next topic. Believe it or not, we're going to... I. A lot of people are going to skip this when I say it. We're going to talk about League of Legends right now. This is... I think this is... This is a... No, no, no. Really important topic. I so. agree. No, I'm not... You misunderstand, Just because Sandrine. you're scaring people away by saying it's about League. This is not really about League of Legends, the game. It's about League of Legends, the system. Thank you. Okay? I was going to get to that. This... Yeah. Think of this as a test bed for what is potentially to come towards... For all esports. This is... I would call it an unprecedented event in esports as a whole. So I'm not going to... Nikki had to explain a lot of this to me. I will not even pretend to know a lot about LCS and the way that Riot runs their league system or their tournament system. You probably know more than me. But probably Riot uh, made a new rule, apparently, somewhat recently. There were teams... So teams always had academy teams, right? Which are now called challenger mm -hmm. teams. I guess they just changed the name. Essentially like the tier two practice team. I don't know what you want to call it. The up and comers, the tier two scene as yeah. a whole. Uh, that was part of every org in the LCS. So we're going to talk about the NA LCS, which is the North American League. Uh, Riot as a whole made it not required anymore to have challenger teams anymore which effectively kills the tier two scene as a whole mm -hmm. so and you'll see where the translation comes into dota here very shortly despite both systems being drastically different so there is a players association which if i'm not mistaken is headed by philip aram you know who he is you remember him yeah he used to work for eg right he used to be the manager for eg a long yeah. time ago after charlie so north america is struggling in not just dota but i would have i would think every esport but especially league and because of not having a tier two scene you're going to be cutting into like payments and all that stuff there's a whole domino effect so players they wanted more assurances from riot and they actually listed out what they would want which we'll get to in just a moment 
and the players association i don't know exactly how it works but it's kind of like a union to some degree mm-hmm. uh they they got a super majority vote which means almost everyone voted to walk away and not play this season which is huge that's never happened before to my knowledge and, and according in- mm-hmm yeah, just to add to that, to my understanding, the Players Association has players from both divisions. So yes, uh, this also means that a lot of the players that are technically unaffected by this, the teams that are the players that are already in the top division, the LCS, uh, out of solidarity, also walked out. Right, and keep in mind, these, these are not the orgs. Okay, the orgs they don't have to pay as much money anymore in theory because they don't mm-hmm. have to field these academy teams, right? So these are just the players, and like you said, the Tier 1 players, which are not affected, are still voting to not play. And according to Travis Gafford, who's a league reporter, Riot responded with removing rank restrictions in order to make sure they can fill the required number of players. So literally anybody could have been a pro, theoretically, if they wanted. But despite that, the Players Association all voted to not play, and they made a response, which I'll read. In part. Why did they have a rank restriction in the first place? Is that so people didn't buy in their friends into a pro team and then they just suck, but they wanted to do it for fun? Or Right. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, so the LCSPA yeah. has been aware for over a week for over a week of attempts to require teams to field scab players at the start of the season, which I can't remember the, the, the meaning of that. Is it like a ringer or something? I uh, suppose. I, I knew this a day ago and I've already forgotten. <laughs> We continue to actively reach out to players outside the LCS with a clear and simple message. Do not agree to play for any LCS org as a replacement player. This walkout is for the benefit of all league players in North America. Crossing the line puts all players' futures at risk, LCS, NACL, and amateur. Crossing the line undermines player negotiating power. And if you have already agreed to replacement contract, please blah, blah, blah. So very strong wording. I can't think of another time this has happened, right? We've talked about the idea of having unions with, I mean, it could be anything. Like, we talked about a mm-hmm. talent union way back when, players union within well, Dota. We have the cabal. Yeah, the cabal, very important. So, uh, also, in addition to this, apparently Riot did ask the Academy of Players to fill in, and they obviously said no, like we said. So Riot's response, let me open this one up. It's quite a long blog post. But essentially, they're saying no. So they've delayed things by two weeks, and they're trying to be transparent to the public. But they list out the five things that have been asked of the Players Association, and they've essentially said no to all of them. So I, I don't know if... We usually don't talk about this kind of stuff, but this is really fascinating, so I want to talk about the five things. Okay. Uh, let's see. Didn't they list it here? One moment. I have them right here. It's in the Riot response link. You put yeah, in the yeah, outline, yeah. and then you scroll down. Um, then it's in Is It starts with Institute, Valorant style. Yeah. Okay, so Institute, yeah. Valorant style promotion and relegation between LCS and NACL. So that's their first one. They said no. NACL is salt, for those of you who don't know. Yeah, of course. So they important. want salt. <laughs> They want Riot to guarantee LCS minimum contracts for the following year for five players who win NACL Summer Finals. They said no. I can't. Why is it called NACL? This is so... This is triggering me. Institute three out of five continuity rule to provide players on released NACL rosters first priority in maintaining their slots for the upcoming 
NACL season if a majority continue to compete together. So this means give the players... So this is what Dota has. Sorry. Yeah, this is what Dota has right now, which players have the control most of the time. If you have three out of five, we saw that with Shopify becoming EG mm -hmm. or vice versa, right? So... Riot says, no, we think it's better and more consistent to have the orgs have all the power in that regard. Uh, they want Riot to commit 300... Wait, is that what they want? They want to commit revenue 300k per NACL team per year to the pool. They said, no, they'll give you one-time payment of 300k in general for the tournament. And the last thing is allow LCS orgs to partner with affiliates for cost sharing, which... Their responses, this one I don't fully understand. It's like they can already have some partnerships or something. The thing about like the way Riot runs thing, it's like an official league. And when I say that, I mean like compared to traditional sports, right? With franchising, things are a lot more complicated, which mm -hmm. means that you're going to have like these lawyer types that will be creating these players associations and doing things that they think are best for the scene. But this is a fascinating, like, this isn't over yet because it's in the two-week mm -hmm. period right now. So do you have any thoughts and how it translates to Dota potentially? Um, I mean, first of all, our system is entirely different. So yes. I think implementing and doing something like this in Dota is a lot harder because we don't have similar structures around it. And I guess... Let's let's say the players in Dota really wanted some sort of change. What usually happens is that they write to Valve, and then Valve either do or don't do it, obviously. That's a no-brainer. But um, what could you unionize about in Dota? I guess, like, let's say you thought the prize pool distribution of the year was stupid, right? And all the players thought that, and they collectively went to Valve, and they said, guys, if you don't change the prize pool structure, we're not going to play. I absolutely think that could start change, but the difficult thing in Dota and the part of the reason that I think this is more plausible and easier to pull off is that this is one region, right? This is the NA uh, Challenger League, and it's the NA teams coming together to do this. In Dota, the game is extremely global, which means people are, first of all, just the practicality of organizing something. People are in totally different time zones. If you want to have meetings, it's really hard. Um, they might have different cultural approaches to things as well. Some people might feel like something is, is good the way it is or terrible the way it is, whereas others are on the completely other side of the fence. And like unionizing becomes more and more complicated the more global it is, right? Um, I mean, if you have one region in Dota, Western Europe, that's the region. If they decide on something, it will happen. If they don't yeah, want TI to be the way, like we've complained about TI being top heavy. If they mm -hmm. all came together this instant, and said, we will not play unless this system is changed, I think it would change, clearly, right? I, yeah. I feel very confident in that. It's also one of those things where, it, let's say the players wanted that. It's not technically, Valve wouldn't even get a loss from it, right? Like, just as, as that example, if we just want a redistribution of the money and the money amount is the same, then it's literally just moving the means around in a different way. This is obviously expensive for Riot, if they meet these demands. That's why there's pushback, because mm. they're, they're being told by the players that they should be paid more, they should get better conditions or whatnot. Um, yeah, 
I guess it's a bit of a difficult question for me to answer, like how I think it's going to spill over and spill over into Dota. Like if this becomes a success and the players win, is that going to inspire others in other games to try to push for something similar? Maybe. Um, but I also think it's important to remember that the overall structures are very, very different. And if this is a success, that does not mean that organizing it and doing it in Dota is equally easy or equally likely to be successful. Um, and the problems that these players are facing are different than the Dota players altogether to begin with. Um, ironically, I think some of the things that these players already have in League would be really good if we had it in Dota, but obviously they want better conditions. But I think a lot of the... There's certain things about the League structure that would really benefit Dota, from my mm -hmm. perspective. Um, but I think Valve just full, full out just doesn't agree with it and don't want to do it. And peace be with that. Like, it's their game. If they don't want to run a, a pro scene in this way, then they don't have to. They but clearly have a good scene as it is. So it does make sense on some level, like from Valve's standpoint, like the two ends of the spectrum. One is hands off completely. So, in a yeah. way, the way that the scene is run, even with like tournament organizers, everybody from top to bottom, it's kind of like very lax in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Compared to League, where you have franchising, you ha like teams have to buy their way in for tens of millions of dollars or however much. Things are taken much more seriously. As a result, you kind of have to have a players association. You have to have these things because you're mimicking traditional sports. So that means you can yeah. actually, it makes more sense to copy paste what they're doing almost to a T. Because if you don't, sure. you're going to get fucked hard, right? And I don't know what sport Dota compares to. That's the thing. I don't have a reference for like... Badminton. Pickleball. <laughs> sorry, pickleball. Very, like, very casual, like what's a, you know? What's a, what's a similar sport and what do they do, right? Like, what do they do in pickleball? Nothing. <laughs> they don't do anything. <laughs> it's like, well, there you go. There's your analogy right there. Uh, I mean, it's... Uh, I think more than anything for me when, when I hear about this, first of all, I mean, first of all, power to the players and the orgs, or I, I guess it's not really the orgs in this instance. It's mainly the players. Uh, first of all, I just... I'm proud of them for doing this because I know that doing this with pro players in any esports, I would say, is difficult to pull off because, you know, players have all sorts of different motivations, as we've talked about countless times on this podcast as well. Like, the players are young. They might not truly understand the big picture of what's going on. They just want to play video games and make a living and, and enjoy themselves and, and get famous and, you know, make friendships. Um, the fact that this is such a wide congregation of teams that have been able to pull this off, I think is very admirable. Uh, and I hope they find success with it. I don't know if I can't sit here and say their demands are reasonable because I don't understand the system well enough to be like, yeah, Riot should absolutely do this. The players are 100% in the right. But likely, the way it usually is with stuff like this, if so many teams are coming together, they probably have a pretty good argument and a pretty good case for what they're asking, at least partially. Um, and I would imagine the way it usually is with stuff like this, the players are probably pushing for more than what they would settle for. So if Riot is willing to meet them maybe halfway, that would already be a really big win. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the full-on strong-arming that Riot have done so far is... I don't know if it's surprising. Is it surprising to you based on Riot's like, track record of how they run stuff? Or was this what you would have expected, that they're just going to ice them, basically? I mean, this... I don't know if it was expected, but like the whole strong-arming arm mentality, yeah, that does sound mm -hmm. like a Riot thing. Right. Valve, they can strong arm in a way, but they also just don't give a fuck. So it's a little different where Riot cares very deeply <laughs> about what's going on, uh, but maybe too much to a point. So 
Yeah, I, I do, even though the systems aren't remotely the same and the scenes are very different because of that, I do think this will have an effect on Dota, actually. If In this, what way? So I think if Riot, quote-unquote, wins and they, they get everything they want, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. But I do think this is kind of one of those groundbreaking cases where you'll have this domino effect of player empowerment. We've seen this in traditional sports with the NBA. Uh, where What started it there? Do you so, know? Well, they had a players association. I don't mm -hmm. know when it was actually instituted officially, but I remember there was a lockout season. The first one that I remember was in 1999, the year after Michael Jordan retired. And half the season, it was delayed. So they just cut the season in half, essentially, once they finally agreed to terms. The players were finally... And this is the thing about negotiations that I know it's all well and good. Like You can sit down and say, I want this, I want that. The one thing you have to be able to do when you're negotiating is be okay to say no and step away if you have to. Like You have to mm -hmm. be willing to give it up in order to get what you want sometimes. Mm -hmm. And with the NBA, it's... I mean, with that first lockout, then there was a couple more because the CBA agreement that they have expires every like seven to eight years or whatever. What is it with these? Oh Collective bargaining yeah. agreement, sorry. <laughs> Can't be arsed. So as it continues, and it's, it's, been, it's been really good for the NBA as a whole because now it's to a point where before that point, uh, owners and the orgs and everybody was making so much money compared to the players. Right. And the players are the ones that are being marketed and getting, you know, being profited off of. Now it's like shared amongst everybody and they're making more than they ever have. It's been a huge explosion in the NBA. Obviously, this won't directly translate to any esport, but mm -hmm. the idea is there. And I think if the Players Association from the NACL, the Salt League in in League of Legends, if they get what they so want, I do think the player mm. empowerment will domino effect over to other scenes. I actually do think that. Doesn't mean it's going to drastically change things overnight, but I think this is the first big step, and then it'll continue from there. What do you think? All right, let's let's entertain the idea that this is a success and it spills over. What do you think the players should ask in Dota? Well, you already know the answer <laughs> to that. Ah, is it is it just a redistribution of the prize money, or is it something else? Well, I. Is that the main thing you think they should ask? Well, it's not just a... Well, it depends on what you mean by redistribution of the price, but because if that includes DPC playing or paying more money to everybody and perhaps more for certain regions that have higher cost of living, then yes. Mm -hmm. so that's, the, that's the biggest thing that could change the, uh, the health of the game and the scene. How... Okay. Do you think it's... I know this is becoming a pretty long conversation, but... If let's imagine you unionize the players in Dota across regions, mm. how likely do you think it is that the players will agree within that unionization to pay NA players more <laughs> than SEA and I, push for that? I don't know. That's that's the biggest question for me. Is like yes, obviously money is relative. It's relative, right? Where you live, obviously costs are higher. That's why it's harder to. Be a pro in NA in terms of just making a, a living wage playing the the DPC, but um, well, I think you can look at it. From I don't. This I don't aspect. know if the players will just be able to so to agree on. Something that's because like a that. lot of players are very stupid. They're very young and very dumb. And the reason I say that is because just think of it from a logical standpoint. If you have one region 
That's fucking mm. horrific. Like horrifically bad to the point that you're I'm literally embarrassed to cast some of the NA games when we're doing DPC mm -hmm. from last season. That was last season. It's gotten worse since then. One region that is I would argue it's a pretty important demographic as well for any mm -hmm. game to be successful to continue to be successful you need all these regions to be valid and if it's because of cost of living being too high and you're just not getting paid enough to have a tier two scene which means you don't have up-and-comers to be able to make those tier one teams which means everybody that's a tier one player in na currently is basically from another continent entirely which is basically the truth for shopify etc like you got to know that's got to get fixed yeah, or else I, NA is just going to continue to be absolute toilet water. Do you think if NA paid, let's say it paid three times what it does right now, just as a, a ballpark number. I mean, I don't know what do the numbers are Do you think that are would currently. make, uh, I don't remember what you get for first place in the DPC. It's like 30k or 25k or something like that. I think it's 25. Do you think if it paid triple, what would be the more likely outcome? Would it be better NA players, more NA orgs involved, and a stronger you know, presence there, or would it make more people play in NA who aren't from NA because there's more money? That doesn't matter, though. I that's, think I mean that's the that's the that's the thing, right? Is it does it not matter at all? Because in that case, sure. I mean, then you're just going to import better players. Well, that's the uh, thing. That doesn't though. necessarily foster better NA players. We've seen this with South America. People mm -hmm. were imported originally when that scene was the dog water scene of the entire Dota space, and over time, those players got better. Because there's good players that are actually playing against them. They're learning. And eventually we have now so have guess, two good teams. NA Right, so I guess now the counter-argument... Yeah, now the counter-argument probably is... Isn't that just going to happen to NA over the next two years then? If you do nothing. What do you mean? Who are they playing against? No, but that's, that's what you're saying, right? You said SA was like considered the free region to get to TI or get to majors. So international players went there to play. Mm-hmm. If that's NA now, what is stopping that from happening again? What's the well, difference? You're, you're talking about, I'm talking about teams that are there in that region scrimming mm -hmm. other teams that live in that region normally that were bad at Dota before. Mm -hmm. It's not just about going to the LAN and getting better there because that's a flash in the pan. That's so, like, I think you do get better going to LANs, but I think it's more about having better players as a whole in your region throughout the DPC season. Right, but that's what I'm Which saying. We don't so have that happened in SA, quote unquote, organically, because players went there and they got better scrim partners as a result, right? Yes. The, the local teams got better scrim partners because international players went there and empowered the region effectively. Yeah. Why is that not going to happen in NA? If the region is easy and players want to go to majors and want to go to TI, why do they not go to NA and play? And then that will have the same effect. I'm just... I guess I don't understand what the difference is. Is it because it's too expensive to go to play in NA well, for you the have, slots? You have one really you have one really good team that's going to make it mm -hmm. pretty much no matter what in Shopify. It's because the top echelon is already there and it's too hard to compete with versus I SA where there was no it, top. I wouldn't say it's too hard, but yeah, I okay. no, I if I was making a team and I had European players, I would mm -hmm. not let them play in fucking Western Europe. There's no way. So no, you You're you playing have, NA? Of course. <laughs> you have yeah. a valid argument, but Mm -hmm. it, it hasn't happened and cost right. of living in the u.s has gone up even more the pay is horrendous for i mean we're not even talking about tier two right we're just talking about tier yeah, one yeah. even that is yeah. horrendous so i mean yeah i i think if the players actually wanted to change they could do it but i i don't mm -hmm. think they're gonna because that's the thing that's interesting about this though. i'm starting to realize it's not that the players are stupid necessarily it's because 
the system as a whole is very lax, and I think the players are lax as a result, potentially, right. of that system. Whereas in League, everybody's a part of an org, everybody's a part of Players Association. Like Things are just much more official to a T, which has its drawbacks, but also has its pros, which in this case is solidarity to try and get something actually done in the scene, right? Right. I don't know. It's, and I, this is somebody that knows almost nothing about League, but it is such a fascinating subject, and I really do think that this is going to have potentially big mm -hmm. impact on other esports. Whether it's Dota or not remains to be seen. And just, just for clarity about the whole NASA example we just pulled up, like I just want to make it clear. I, I don't I don't think doing nothing in NA is the right choice because look what happened in SA. Like that wasn't my point. My point I was rather trying to like understand what the difference was from your perspective. Because I agree. I think in general, Valve with a restructurization, we've talked about this countless times, obviously, but just if you changed the structure and incentivized um, NA, for example, it, by, by restructuring the way prize money works, it's like, at the end of the day, it seems like Valve's take on Dota is that orgs are not necessary or maybe even bad, right? Or orgs are something we shouldn't have or shouldn't strive for or whatever, because at the very least, on a surface level, it doesn't look like they're trying to incentivize orgs to get into the game. Like, you're not giving the organizations a good reason to invest. Because the return on investment is literally, do you get to TI or not? That's more yeah. or less what it is. I mean, you can get some from the majors, obviously. But again, the value in the majors lies in getting DPC points and going to TI. So if the leagues were way more incentivized and it was more profitable to just have a team in general, even if they don't make TI, a lot more orgs would be interested in getting into the game Um and that, to me, that's the biggest thing that the restructurization would do is not just raise the salaries of the players. It's getting them a baseline salary outside of the DPC to begin with. Yeah, and that has to true. come from there. Like, that's the biggest thing that you can do here as Valve or in general is to attract names to Dota that we've lost. We used to have multiple NA orgs that were really interesting. And at this point, we have TSM and, uh, and Shopify. And to an extent, obviously, the nouns, which... Nouns are new, so I'm not going to count them as like the old guard, right? But some of the older names in NA just don't exist anymore. We used to have Cloud9, we used to have uh, Evil Geniuses, which went to SA, probably with good reason, right? From a business standpoint, you could say. Um, the way they did it, I would disagree with, but that's a different story entirely. Um, complexity, you know? A lot of these, and there's more. There's more that aren't just immediately coming to mind for me, but... Those teams used to be call digital really tried, chaos. Okay? Digital chaos. Call really tried in oh, Dota. Yeah, they did. They really tried, and in the end, they gave up. And it's such a shame. It's like they still have a team in CS, obviously. Um, I think they have teams in Call of Duty. Yeah, and I think uh, you have a you attract an org like Hundred Thieves, for example. I mean, you know, like Phase Clan. These like give them a reason to get into this and. I mean, they have their own own controversies right now about how good those orgs actually are. But like the power of the names and getting them interested in Dota would just be so big for Dota and NA. I don't even know where to start how big that would be. But I don't blame them for not getting in. Like, if you're one of those orgs, do you want to invest in Dota? I mean, I think Dota is the highest risk game to invest in. It's just... Unfortunate, right? like, but true. Yes. Um... Uh, if if you if you tripled the 
again, let's finish off with that example. Let's say you just tripled the prize money in DPC and NA, and that's literally all you did. You did nothing else to the entire scene. I think that already would attract orgs. Potentially. It's an expense for Valve, obviously, but the ultimate quality increase in, this, in the region and the, and the growth is probably worth it. They make Getting 30... bigger names in, we'll get more viewership, we'll get more people into Dota, we'll get, you know, it's an advertising thing. But They make 30... Per... Yeah. Well, I was going to say they make 30% off of every game on Steam, but that's not connected to Dota. So yeah, use that money, right? Yeah, and it's, it's also like, I just, I don't like that argument that a lot of people bring up, I mean, even if it's true, right? A lot of people will be like, yeah, the reason Valve isn't doing more for Dota is that look at Steam, they make so much fucking money. And while that is true, you would still, you're still hoping, you would still like to think that there's people at Valve that are involved with Dota that want what's good for the game because they love the game and ha are in a position to start this kind of change if they wanted to. Uh, the, the hard part in Valve probably is to convince valve that it has value that's always what it's going to come down to is at the end of the day will this make us money and i personally think it will but maybe i'm just naive and stupid here and think that yeah. there's a lot of value in this maybe there isn't but i'll, I'll finish this topic with just one thought that and we've talked about it so many times in the past riot is on this side of the spectrum mm -hmm. valve is here if yep. valve can just come like a little bit towards that i'm not saying you need a franchise system i don't i don't i don't no. want any of that just need no. to come a Definitely little bit on this side just a quarter of the way and it would just do so much for dota but yeah we are where we are okay final topic and most important topic cinderin okay. i was thinking we talk about our favorite movies of all time <laughs> <laughs> and all right, let me I, just... <laughs> go ahead. All right, so basically what happened, guys, Shannon wrote to me last night, for me, that is, he was like, for the podcast, think of your top five favorite movies. And then I wrote, oh, God, any other ideas? And then he was like, I'll just give you my top five. I was like, that sounds great. That's right. <laughs> so uh, here comes Shannon's top five movies. <laughs> the reason that I wanted to do this is because we've talked, I've done a lot of... Uh, Suns fan recommends TV shows and occasionally movies, but we haven't really talked about my actual list, right? I think we have, haven't we? <sighs> have we? Boy, it's, it's been long enough that we should do it we again. Can, we can revisit it. I'll tell you if it sounds familiar. Well, okay? I've mentioned a few of these movies, of course. So right. here's the thing, though. I was making a top five, and I, it was hard for me to, to put a list together without doing a top ten. So I actually did top... Ten. And then I it's started funny. listing those out. It was hard out. for me. It was hard for me to make a top five favorite movies because I was struggling to think of five movies to begin with. Right. Yeah. So that, we had different problems there. Well, it gets a little worse because when I was making the top ten, it was hard to do that as well. So I ended up with twelve. Oh my! So I have twelve of my. <laughs> so this is Suns fans top twelve. I've had a lot of people come up to me, both in person and online. I don't know how you come up to somebody online, but you do it. They've mm -hmm. messaged me. That they appreciate, they love my recommendations of shows, especially Leftovers, which I didn't realize how big of a cult classic that has become. A lot of people like Leftovers. I'm really happy about that. Uh, this is not in order. They were talking about just Leftovers as like food, you know? Yeah, delicious. It's delicious food. So I, I can yeah, tell I you. I know I love Leftovers. I have 12 movies, Cinderin. They're not in any particular yeah. order, though, other than 6 through 12, which. Okay. Let me. 
So when you asked me for your top five <laughs> in order, yeah. you came up with top 12 not in order. Well, I can tell you what Why six is this through... a segment? Like, what is this? This is like, what's I, the point? I thought people would like that. I don't know. <laughs> Let me know if you guys like it. Okay. I'm just kidding. So I've, right, I've separated my top five. So I'll tell you the six through 12, okay? Now, six through 12, I didn't rank them. So it's just of these movies that are between okay, six Okay, got it. And so you ranked top five. You did rank no, that. No, top five I didn't rank either. I, I don't know if I can... Wait, I, so, I can so you just do that. made a top five and a top 12, but within each bracket, they're not rated. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> it's too hard. Okay. It's too hard. Okay. I can tell okay. you my first favorite movie, but we already talked about that one. All right. Okay, so six through 12, okay? Okay. In no particular order for the six through 12. I have... I counted it as one movie. Don't be mad. Lord of the Rings. Okay. Okay. Not I, top five. I thought that was in your top five, actually. It, so I was thinking about it. It's extremely good. So the way that I... Let me, let me I preface this. That. Let me preface this, Cinderin. These okay. are my... So when I say favorite movies, I don't mean the best made movies of all time. That's totally different. Because It's I was, the ones that if you were to watch a movie, these were the ones that you would go to to watch. These ones make me feel a certain way that I really like. It's like watching Leftovers... Okay, so then times. your top 100 movies are fucking ASMR. I discluded ASMR YouTube videos. Okay, yeah, that doesn't so that's count. That's a disclaimer as well. Yeah. So okay. 6 through 12 in that category, Lord of the Rings is there. Unbelievable trilogy, best trilogy of all time. Easily. I just got this mental image of like a two-hour ASMR movie in the theater. Dude, I... <laughs> just sitting there and it's literally just Amaranth <laughs> licking a fucking microphone for two hours and people just pay... Like yeah. 30 bucks to go watch that. That sounds amazing. Do you have headphones or is it just blasting at you with these Bose speakers? <laughs> oh, you would be there though. Can I get Bose through this list for God's sake? No, this is way more fun. All right, go ahead. All right, one movie. This is the only movie I have not seen semi-recently, but I, I love it a lot, even though it has a bad person in it. <laughs> okay. Uh, American Beauty. One of my is a very good movie. Yes, despite having Kevin Spacey, who used to be one of my favorite actors, this movie yep. is S tier. I would highly recommend. So a lot of these movies it are actually very good. Slightly older. By older, I mean when I grew up, of course, since I'm ancient at this point. Uh, another movie that is a rom com. It's the romantic comedy. I like my romantic comedies. Most of them are garbage. Yep. I'll agree. When Harry Met Sally is amazing that is okay that one i have not that seen. is to me the original rom-com and it is so good it has billy crystal meg ryan it's from is it early 90s 89 89 i've watched this so many times it is it is aged very well i would say for the most part extremely good movie okay next movie this used to be my favorite movie for 15 plus years it has not, for me, aged as well as the others, so I've had to put it so in this category. So it's not top five anymore. It's not top five. Because I did oh, watch wow. it in the last okay. couple... I've seen this movie like 15 times. I watched it like a couple years ago, and I was like, eh, hasn't aged as well. But I have I mean, to respect could that it. be because you watched it 14 times before? So no. there wasn't so much, you know, suspense or interesting stuff happening no, anymore? There, there's or? certain movies that just provide you a sense of nostalgia. I, this, this movie okay. is... It's like a... What are those called? Um, a coming of age movie. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. 
So it can't like I watched it my freshman year of college and it just had a profound impact on me for whatever reason. It just made me I just fucking love this movie. It's called Garden State. Oh yeah, you talked about this. That was in your top five last time. Yeah. So it I can't probably be that long ago. Natalie Portman, Zach Braff. I it's amazing. Amazing movie, but maybe it is because I watched it fifteen times. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Okay. Next movie is a Leonardo DiCaprio movie, a somewhat lesser known Leo okay. DiCaprio. It's called Shutter Island. Fucking oh, awesome. That's not lesser known. I would, compared to his other stuff, I would say so. I think I've watched this movie. Okay, maybe it's not. Maybe it's not lesser known. Yeah, I, I have love, watched this movie. love, love this movie. That was good. Uh, that was definitely good. I don't know if I want to give a synopsis of it. I'm trying to remember what the, because there are spoilers, so I won't spoil anything, but. Highly recommend that. That's like, a, what kind of a movie is it? It's a drama. Um, yeah, I feel like if I talk about it, I'll spoil it. So let's not do that. Next movie. Another one of, of a similar vein. Donnie Darko. You ever heard of it? Yes, but I've not watched that one. This is like a, I think this is also late 80s, early 90s. This uh, one. 2001. I, okay, not even close. Really? That's, that's good enough. 2000. Oh, yeah, that's true. 2001. Yeah, okay. Uh, this one, I would call it a coming of age, maybe, to a degree. It's kind of sci-fi-y as well. Uh, it originally came out in the theaters and bombed, actually. And then they added something to the DVD when it came out, which is like little captions showing like... Uh, little captions of a book that basically explain what's going on in the movie because it's kind of confusing. And oh. with those, it, apparently that it's become a cult classic now. So Donnie Darko would highly recommend for people. And the final movie in this category, which I think we've talked about, is Ex Machina. Yeah. Sci-fi. It's about a AI robot, except the, the thing I like about... Usually I don't like sci-fis unless they're like quite realistic in terms of like even if it's like futuristic it could be oh this is something that could happen uh as long as it's well done in that regard i think i'm big fans of like the martian is a great it's not on my list i watched but, uh i watched uh, ex machina as well i just checked the trailer that's did you I like mean, it yeah it was also good i think i watched that one on a flight actually um don't remember to which event but it checks out with it came out in 2014 so it checks out with that being on a flight at some point okay um so out of your top 12, 6 to 12, I think I'd watched four of them. Okay. Which surprised me. I thought it was going to be zero or three three or four of them I've seen. Well, that's good. Look at that. Let's see out of my good, top five. Good picks, though. I would agree they're very good, all the ones you chose. Okay, so. so I think four out of these five I've talked about. So I'll talk about the last one that I haven't final as the final one. Okay, but this is not okay. in any particular order. Uh, Matrix, original. We've talked about this yeah. already. Classic. Mm -hmm. The... Sequels have absolutely tarnished this film, but it's still in my top five because it's God tier. Okay. The second Matrix, the third Matrix, the fourth Matrix, fucking horrific, and I wish they never happened. But the first was just okay. so groundbreaking, God tier movie. Yeah. Uh, my I can tell you my favorite movie, of course, is Interstellar, uh, best sci-fi I've ever seen. Absolutely fucking incredible. Wait, so Interstellar score. is your number one. Oh yeah, that's my number one easily. Oh, okay. It is so good. Probably the best music of any movie I've seen. 
really makes you feel it. Uh, yeah. I'm sure most people have seen that one. Of course, In Bruges is in this list. Yes. For the top Very five. Very good. I liked it. We don't need to talk about that anymore because it's good. Yeah. Uh, another one maybe I haven't mentioned is V for Vendetta. Fucking you have love. Definitely mentioned that before. Love this movie. God, it's actually aged so well because a lot of that stuff has come true, at least in the US mm. and the UK, actually. Yay. So So happy that movie <laughs> aged well. <laughs> yeah, that I love I mean, I think the only actor, if I'm not mistaken, that is in multiple movies in my top five is Hugo Weaving. That guy is a god. That's the agent from Matrix. And he's V and V for Vendetta, which a lot of people might not know. And he's also in Lord of the Rings, which is in my 6 through 12. So yep. apparently I love that guy. Okay, and then the final movie. Uh, this is one you may probably have not heard of. And it's the only movie, if I'm not mistaken, that is poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes, which boggles my mind. It has like yeah. a 50-something percent from critics and a 50-something percent from users. But... It's so fucking good. It's technically, I think, probably considered a rom-com. Okay. It is called Seeking a Friend for the End of the World. It has Steve Carell, Kira Knightley. This movie, I think, is so well done. This might be, this would be my movie that I would say is the most underrated movie ever because the ratings are terrible for some reason. I it boggles my mind because everybody I make watch it say they love it and then the ratings suck ass. I have no idea. No clue. So that's the most underrated and probably the one that people haven't heard of the most. Uh, but Steve Carell is... I, something about these comedians that play serious roles, even though this one is like, it's a mix. Like Robin Williams, I was a huge fan of as well back in the day. Uh, so yeah, would highly recommend this one. But I think Steve Carell is a, an underrated actor. I never really liked Kira Knightley, but she was great in this mm. movie. So it is what it is. Recommend it for everybody. Let me know what you guys think of the movies in the comments. I don't know why. There's something about the premise of this movie that sounds incredibly familiar to something I've seen. But I don't know if it was this one. Huh. Maybe it was just something I saw peripherically. Whatever. So anyway. I don't know if I want to pr like say what it's about because you guys should just watch it. Just take mm -hmm. my word for it. All right. Great movie. Okay. That does it for this episode of We Say Things with, wow, it's an hour 20 minutes and we had almost no topics. Great. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Until next Let's time, go, baby. Suns Fan Center signing out. Peace. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything. Subscribe. But thanks for listening. Nah.